Western Christianity has spent the last 2,000 years telling everyone they're separated from God. This is Not Church with John and Nat Turney. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to This is Not Church. This is John Turney, and I'm here with my brother, Nat Turney. Uh, why don't you say a hello there, Nat? It's got to stop teeing me up, man. Um, hello there, Nat. Nice to see y'all. <laughs> well, uh, we are just honored to have uh, a guest with us today that I think you guys are all going to enjoy. Her name is P.K. Langley. I'm going to read you her bio. P.K. Langley is married to her wife and best friend of 22 years, Ashley. They have a son and daughter in love and a lovely grandson. P.K. is an ordained pastor who spent 30 years in church ministry and as a senior pastor, she has traveled internationally, preaching and teaching conferences to crowds in the thousands. She is an author and is currently pursuing her licensure as a mental health clinician. PK is passionate about seeing people find their distinction in life. PK is also a healer and functions in gifts that help dislodge those things that prevent people from finding their true selves. Welcome, PK. We are so glad that you're here with us today. John and Nat, it is a pleasure to be here. So thank you so much. I mean, just reading through the bio and you made that, you know, we could we could just stop right there. I, <laughs> I, I, only, flubbed, I only flubbed a couple of times. Reading was never, uh, <laughs> never part of our, reading out loud was never part of my uh, forte. I can read to myself all day long and I, you know, because all those little mistakes are in your head, right? Yes. <laughs> but uh you know, I just want to jump right into this because I, I know we have a lot of things we'd like to talk about. But I think just for our listeners who may not know who you are, um, like like I was just, a, I'd say, maybe a year ago, I, I want to say the first place I heard you, and I might not be correct on this because I've heard you on a few podcasts, but I think the first one was probably Heretic Happy Hour. Uh, I, I think probably most of our guests, the first place I've probably heard them is Heretic Happy Hour because it's just, it's just when I kind of when I was trying to kind of jump back into this kind of faith thing or whatever you want to call it, uh, the HHH was uh, a big jumping off point for me. Uh, finding those people with a different voice and hear you know um, that gave me kind of a different perspective than what you know the, the norm I've been hearing for so long. But uh, just for our listeners, if you could maybe just give us a little bit of your faith background, that would be a good place to start, I think. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you for the floor. appreciate that. Sure. Um, I started um, as a Methocath um, because daddy was Methodist and mom was Catholic. And the only time we went to the Catholic church was when mom was mad at dad. And the only time we went to the Methodist church was pretty much holidays. So that okay. was kind of my, my okay. upbringing. Um, but my mother hammered the Bible, hammered the Bible from the Catholic position with me. And um, when I was in my 20s and really searching, that's when I fell into the non-denominational uh, side of things. Now, before right. that, I was trying transcendentalism and out-of-body experiences, and it was all big back then. And I uh, went to a Buddhist meeting and was like, oh, I don't know if I like that, because they handed <laughs> me a card that said, uh, chant this for world peace and domination. And I went, I don't know if I like that kind of phrase. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I tried yeah. a little bit of everything, but fell headlong into the non-denominational movement and um, did everything that you can think of doing in the church, because that's what you do. You serve and give and serve. Right. And then after a while, um, I and a friend of mine went on a missions trip and we had a church of probably about 350, 400 people at the time. 
And it was run by an African, uh, African-American African man who was just light enough that the, he's, he used to say this from the pulpit, that the white people wouldn't get upset and just dark enough that the black people belonged, you know? <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, we, we sat down and said, we want to be the first missionaries to go out of this church. And they had a $50,000 missions budget a year. Wow. The first missionaries to go out. So all this money went outside of the church and we're like, hey, we'll be missionaries from the church. Wouldn't that be cool? And I sat down with him and said, we want to go to uh, Kenya. And uh, he said he would give us $25 a month for each one of us for a year. Wow. Okay. Wow. <laughs> um, and, and he said, if I tell you that's all I'm going to give you, are you still going to go? And I said, yes, oh. I'm still going to go. All right. So uh, that started uh, the missions work for me. And I have filled up three passports full of stamps and gone extensively into uh, East Africa, Uganda, Kenya, and Tanzania, Tanzania, um, and learned a little conversational Swahili because uh, Tanzania's national language is Swahili. So you have to know it to get around Um, and really got to know a lot of the people in those three countries and traveled in between countries uh, during that time and, and just had some amazing adventures and saw signs and wonders and and healings that were incredible. Um, One of which I'll tell you, uh, John Monday, his name is spelled Monday, but he said it Monday. (laughs) Um, And uh, John was in this church up on a hill in Kazinga in Uganda. And uh, there was five different ministries on that hill. It was the weirdest thing. I mean, there was a Muslim mosque, a Seventh-day Adventist, uh, a Catholic school, a Christian church, and then this little, little bitty, uh, you know, setup where they had just the uh, stripped uh, poles from trees and and a tin roof. And that's where I was speaking. And uh, John was was there in the back. And I hadn't spoken at that point. I hadn't spoken in like four or five years. And I was chomping at the bit to preach and teach. You know, I had eight pages of notes, eight pages for these people. Wow, I was going to hammer them. And uh, I went in there and and it was like deer in the headlights look, you know, and um, I finally stopped and I said, what, you know, and I heard pray, just pray, you know, and Ashley was with me at the time with a keyboard with eight D cell batteries and she started (laughs) uh, worshiping and it felt like God was so big that anything could happen. And every single person I prayed for got healed that day. Every wow. single person. It was just fire. And um, John Monday was in the back and he was about 60 some years old. And his neck was so thin, I could put my hands around his neck. Uh, just a tiny little man. And he was one of the last people to come up. And I said, what's going on with him through the interpreter? And he said, this one has never spoken a word. And unbeknownst to me, he and his twin, he had a twin he started coming to this Christian church and for three years, he was there before they started. He was there uh, after it was, you know, the last person there. And he was very faithful, even though he couldn't speak. Um, And I put my hands around his throat and I started to sing. um, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And that was the only thing that was coming, you know, to my heart at that time. Thank you. (laughs) That sound came in right at the right time. Um, so anyway, um, I felt his voice box vibrate under my thumbs mm. in less than two minutes. And I told him to say Yesu, which is their name for Jesus. And there was, it was like a bomb went off in that place. Women were running down the hill. Yeah, 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 
And uh, it started like a little mini revival in that place. Wow. But, you know, I mean, we saw all kinds of wonderful things. And yeah. that uh, that led to, you know, 30 years of straddling mental health and, and ministry. And uh, I think the largest crowd was around 4,000 in Kampala that I spoke to. Mm. Um, and there were challenges and frustrations of being a woman in ministry. A lot of frustrations. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and... It was just an incredible, incredible journey. And after my father died, I started deconstructing. Yeah. Because yeah. I thought my father went to hell. So because he wasn't on fire for God, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. So so what did that cause you initially? What was your initial deconstruction then? Was your initial deconstruction into um, just the very concept of heaven and hell and like who goes or doesn't go or was it deeper than well, that? It was like 30 days. I couldn't communicate with people. I was in such a deep place of mourning my dad. And I can't even do it now without getting emotional about it. Yeah, it, it just, sure. it's still fresh in my heart. Um, but I said, God, if the man that I loved with all of my heart is in hell and he was a good man, can I cuss on this? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I said, you can fuck off. You yeah. can just fuck off, God. I, I'm done. I'm absolutely done. After all that investment, after pouring my whole heart and soul into everything, God and Jesus, I am fucking done. Mm. And I meant, and I meant it. Right. And so it was a very deep um, moment. And I feel like that's when the egg cracked. It didn't give way until uh, a few years later, but it did. Um, yeah. I had uh, a friend give me uh, 19 CDs and it was all about the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. And that's what started the the whole deconstruction because i began to see we were living in a workspace righteousness mindset right. and not a grace mindset and that's what began to really pull the pillars apart so to speak for me yeah that's amazing no i had the, i had a very similar experience um and my deconstruction started exactly in the same place um with that awareness that yeah we're we're living in a performance based religious system you know contrary to the gospel this is what we've still been sold. But I had, and I had a similar experience when, when someone that I loved dearly passed away. And I had, I think I had, I might've said the same thing to God, you know, if this person that I dearly love, who I know, you know, that, that you love as well. Um, if that's where they're going, then send me with them. Um, Cause yeah. I'd rather be there with them than in heaven with a bunch of self-righteous pricks. Um, and uh, it, but it broke something in me as well, you know, um, and it was it was good. It ended up being such a good thing because my eyes get open and my brain gets you know open and my heart cracked open a bunch. And um, next thing you know, you're you're a full blown heretic, you know, saying stuff like <laughs> you know like God loves like everybody. Oh my gosh, what a what a heretical thing to say, so blasphemous. But um, man, yeah. I love that. And I, you know, you know, we could read books about all the people we know who've had that experience, right? Who've at least honestly come to that conclusion, like, listen, that can't be how this goes, right? Absolutely. But but the beautiful thing is, is as you as you reconstruct, and I believe a lot of people don't uh, don't fully comprehend what being on the other side of that is. Right. You know, being on the other side is to be able to go into a church and love the people right where they're at and pray with them and not feel triggered. Yeah, you know? exactly. Uh, getting on the other side of that is getting to a place of grace where you understand everybody's on their own journey and yeah, it's yeah. okay. 
and and we don't have to to bash, you know, because we do bash. I mean, I started um, Frustrated Grace cartoons, and um, they're they're in a book on on Amazon. Amazon until somebody helps me fix the Kindle version. It's only a book, but, but there are, there were like 350, 400 uh, cartoons and black and white images that I did to help uh, chronologue the journey. It was breadcrumbs, if you will, of the journey and and the things that I was uncovering as they were being uncovered, I would put out a a cartoon. And I think in the first year of doing that, there were like 15,000 hits on my website. I would watch the globe spin and, and people just, you know, going there to see it but they thought i was a man because <laughs> uh pk you know yeah um i used pk because i had my own personal facebook and i didn't want to use you know my name so i everybody called me pk instead of pastor kimberly so i said okay that's good so i, I created <laughs> pk langley well they thought i was a man so they were like this guy is brilliant this is wonderful <laughs> look what this guy is doing and it just took off you know, and when they found out that I wasn't a man, my readership went just like that. Wow. And then when they and then when they found out I was gay, it was like somebody turned the light off and walked out of the building. <laughs> but when I really began challenging the Bible as the quote unquote word of God and and started talking about that and not just that, but our deifying uh, the the apostles as some kind of super Christian, you know, that had all this power. You know, instead of looking at them as an everyday person that can make right. mistakes and the things that they say and do, because we might hear it from a pulpit, but that doesn't mean it's gospel. Um, and I'm doing air quotes for those of you that are listening. <laughs> um, and, you know, so the Frustrated Grace series really helped me to chronologue that journey of, of deconstruction. It was a, it was a beautiful journey. And when you get on the other side, you can put down your pitchforks and, and love, you know, and look yeah. back and say, okay, you're just, you're just on a different path and it's okay. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah, but, I, but isn't that, isn't that difficult though? I mean, I find that, you know, I mean, I, I'm not going to, I won't delve into my deconstruction because our listeners have heard it probably more times than they want to hear it. <laughs> but one of the things that keeps popping up about mine is I, I, I didn't know that that's what that was because I did it so long ago. Yeah, I left the church when I was 18. Uh, so like 1988 is um, when I was like, I was done. But, I, you know, there wasn't there wasn't anything called deconstruction. There wasn't anything like that. It was just another one, another one of the flock who was who was lost. He just he just walked away and, you know, we'll pray for him. And, you know, you get the whole the platitudes of, um, you know, how are you? You know, you'll see him in the street. How are you, brother? Um, how's your walk? <laughs> Uh, and you, you know, you, and you just don't, you don't want to, you just like, well, I'm, I'm walking with a little bit of a limp today because I hurt my foot. I mean, is that what you're talking about? I don't understand. Um, but, uh, but we get to that point, right. Where we just want to bash the hell out of every, everybody who's still in that system because we were not, we're not in it. And we're, and so I spent a long, quite a while just being just angry and just yeah, lobbing bomb absolutely. after bomb after bomb into this this into this structure that I no longer bought into and it's it's probably taken me longer than a lot of people to get to the point where I'm like okay yeah they're they're on a journey too um yeah. you know and through some grace hopefully they will find this other side um well i i think that we are in a good time for that you yeah. know oh yeah um for me when i came out um umpteen years ago um 
community was non-existent. Right. You know, which you probably experienced, John. Um, uh, so for me, I longed for the community that I had around me yeah. in Christianity. And I was really hurting for that familial connection because I really didn't have strong familial roots, you know, uh, in my natural world. Um, and the church had been that, had become that for me. It was everything to me, my social club, my family, you know, my, right. you know, my everything. So, um, you know, that absent community has hurt me. And it's also like, it, it's grieved my heart because so many have left, but they, they don't, um, they don't develop that, that community sense. You know, they, they let go of that and they just say, well, I'm just going to live my life. And right. I still I still believe that there's a place for community and there's a place for those things that we were passionate about that drew us into the religious experience in the first place. You know, like when I saw that everybody had all things in common in the book of Acts, that was so beautiful and, and romantic in my heart for how we should be. Right. as a society, you know, as people. And I haven't ever lost that desire to see us work together in community and have all things common and care about each other. And uh, I, I believe that we're, we're rising into those types of things now because I'm seeing small communities form. And, and that's exciting because it was not there <laughs> when yeah, I first right. came out, you know. <laughs> Yeah. 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 It's been one of those. Uh, it's been a journey for for people like John and me. Um, I can speak for myself when I say that um, I'm still on that journey. You know, I've not arrived any place. But um, about two years ago, when we were getting ready to plant the church that we did, um, we hadn't left the previous church we were at. And I was approached by a friend of mine um, who had recently come out and was marrying her wife and um had questions about whether she, she, she could come to my church and the church that I was still serving at. And I, of course you can come, of course I, we would never, you know, but then I, 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 I learned very quickly. There is a distinction between tolerance and affirmation. And so we were a tolerant church. Nobody was going to be Good. mad at you. Nobody was going to get angry or call you out. We were, you weren't going to hear sermons from the pulpit, you know, that bashed right. that community, but there was going to be a barrier to your level of involvement. Mm -hmm. And so she says, you know, this friend of mine is not religious really, but her, but her wife is, and she really misses that community. Would, would that be a safe place for her? And I had to honestly tell her, um, not as safe as, as it should be. And so they didn't come, yeah. um, because she was too protective and understandably protective of her wife's heart. Um, so we planted this church and I had them in the back of my mind the whole time. I'm like, would this be a wow. safe place? Would this be a place yeah. where she could bring her wife and not just be tolerated because who the fuck wants to be tolerated, um, but be <laughs> affirmed and accepted and embraced and loved. And I'm like, yeah, I would rather have 20 of those people than 500 of anybody else. And so I'm thankful to people like her. And obviously then, then they stand on the shoulders of people like you who have done some of this work as well, but who have, brought to the minds of people like John and me who are white, cisgendered, heteronormative, whatever guys who, who still love. <laughs> that just rolled right off your lips there. That was just well, <laughs> there's no like, hell I would have posted that like that, that easily. Wow. But uh, that's why I always, I always just say I'm a middle-aged old white guy. I mean, that's, that's right. the way I have to say it. Cause I can't say what he just said. It sounds smart. 
I check all, I, I check all those boxes. I am white. I am male. I am cisgendered. I am heteronormative. I am right, right. But still, gosh, I don't want to be closed off to the experiences right. of others who who don't have that same experience, you know. And so, um, I'm I'm hopeful, and I'm cautiously hopeful. But I'm hopeful that I see the church moving in a direction that is more healthy in that way. Um, not yes. enough of it, yeah. but some of it. Well, I, I, I tell you from my perspective, this is one of my pet peeves right now, is that homosexuality is a buzzword. It's yeah. a, it's clickbait. It's, um, you know, it's something that's going to engage conversation and haters. And then you can throw out, well, wow, look at the hater that hated me because I love homosexuals, you know? Right. And that grieves my heart to see on Facebook. And I've even mentioned it to a couple of my friends. I'm like, you know, I'd really like to see less of that and more of let's celebrate these beautiful people uh, for who they are and not just mention uh, the gay community because you know that it's going to cause a firestorm. Yeah. Right. You know, that right. is that is not the way to win the war. In, in my opinion, it's not the way to win the war, because all it does is it it causes us to jab others. You know, I mean, you can't win somebody over by poking them in, in the eye with a stick. No. You just can't. No. So by throwing those out, you're not accomplishing what you need to accomplish. The way to accomplish it is say, look at John and Jerry, who have been together for 37 years, and this is their life, and these are their children. You know, it's normalizing the beautiful experience that we have and, and allowing that facet of humanity to come forward. You know, like um, some of the Indian tribes, they, they called people like me uh, two-spirit people. Right, yeah. And, and I thought that was beautiful. You know, the two spirit people are are the people that they can love whoever. They don't have a boundary there with sexuality. It's more about love. It's not about your genitals, which we get right. caught up in. Right. Um, so uh, for me, that is that is who I am. I'm, I'm just a a two spirit person. Now, yeah. my wife, she never was attracted to men. Never. You know. Um, so there's a diversity there. And when you start looking at all of the different distinctions that we have now, I mean, these these wonderful new generation of kids, they're like, but what about this? What about this? And right. it becomes this multifaceted diamond of personalities and personas. And the problem with religion is it's like a pack of seagulls that wants all of us to mm -hmm. look the same. Right, we all right. need to look the same, act the same. And then that is and God said it was good. <laughs> um, yeah. And and you know, you tie one red ribbon around and and scientists actually did this. They put a bow around one of the seagulls necks and the other seagulls picked it to death because oh, wow. they do not like uh to have somebody different or something, you know, odd in their clique. So that to me is the essence of religion. You have to conform. Right. Um and the the beauty of relationship and reciprocity and not the hierarchical thing but egalitarianism which i believe the universe is egalitarian um you know it's it's us seeing each other for who we are and allowing us to be different even if nobody else looks the same that's okay right right yeah well and yeah. you know because of people like you um and i'll i'll i'll, I'll throw myself under the bus um, I know that I am one of the people that you have, have made these kinds of comments to because of a post that I have put on. And um, 
you know, it, it uh, to say that I, my first reaction was like, well, I don't understand, you know, not, not anger, but like confusion. Right. I'm like, but then yeah, what it does is it causes, if you're, if you're willing and you're, and you're someone who's going to take that next step um, towards allyship, um, towards that kind of relationship with people in the LGBTQ plus two, two spirit even community, uh, which I'd love. Uh, I, I first heard the two spirit word on uh, shipwreck over safety when they were talking about, and they had, uh, they had a two spirit um, on and it was, it's just, it was amazing, but I have to be realistic and look back and say, okay, I have a blind spot here, right? I'm doing exactly what she says I was doing. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm throwing something out there to get a reaction. Um, so I can be, so I can show that I am not that person and I can, I can use it as a, as, as a weapon to unfriend a bunch of people, um, which some of them, some of them rightly do need to go, you know, as, as you're realizing these people are not tolerant enough to even let you show your true self, some of those people do have to go, but we do have these blind spots that we aren't willing to look at. And I have blind and, you know, there are blind spots within me towards the gay community, towards the black lives matter movement, towards indigenous rights, towards, and if I'm not willing to be able to say, okay, I still have a long way to go. And you know, what the hell am I doing here? You know, yeah. I, I, I have to be able to listen. I got to be willing to listen to these people and how, and, and take to heart what they're saying or, or it's yeah. absolutely sure. pointless. And I'm just another person out there throwing garbage out into the world for my own pleasure. And that's, that's pointless. Yeah. Well, well, for me, when I look at the story of the prodigal son and I look at the connectivity that we have, spiritual yeah. connectivity that we have, we are all coming from the same source. Right. And um, I try to to leave the conversation open. And in the beginning of Facebook, we had this culture of embracing. Everybody was embracing everybody. This was exciting. This was wonderful. And, you know, a lot of people had 5,000 friends and you'd go to friend right. them and it'd say, you know, they've reached their limit. And, you know, and then something shifted over time and then it started to become an exclusivity. Right. And for for me, from from my presentation, like Captain Jean-Luc Picard is like an idol of mine. You know, he would talk about how there's commonality right. in all of us, you know, that we need to find the commonality. We need to keep the doors open. We need to, you know, it is different if someone is bashing down your door and you need to get a protective order against them. Yes, right. that's different, you know, but to keep the dialogue open, to keep the conversation going, because that's what converts people is that love that reaches across the aisles and it, and it allows for that conversation, even if it's difficult. Right. Yeah. Um, and sometimes we become too quick to pull that trigger, shut that door. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, that anybody should, uh, don't listen to me. This is just my, <laughs> this is my approach right. at, at yeah. life. And, and um, you know, perhaps the, the pastoral side of me, whatever, but I feel like every human being has worth. Every yeah. human being has some value regardless, you know, and I've embraced the developmentally disabled and, and uh, you know, we have a new buzzword for that today, but when I came into the mental health field, that was what it was. Um, but, you know, 
I, I deliberately used somebody that, you know, was diagnosable to, to help when we did our last journey into uh, Africa. And mm. that person did an amazing job supporting us. So yeah. it's just like, you know, if, if we can find those points of connectivity uh, as human beings, then we build community. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we should be looking to gather uh, at this time, especially right now with everything that's going on in the world, it should be a gathering time and, and we should find support and strengthen each other, I think. No, I agree. Oh, that's yeah, absolutely, the, yeah. yeah. One of those places where um, where we can, you, you mentioned uh, conformity and I can't remember, maybe John can help me out with who was it that said it a couple podcast interviews ago, but he's talked about Christianity being a conformity culture, right? And so yeah. we're, we're busily trying to put people into little boxes um, and then Felicia Merle, who I, <laughs> I still, I, I keep going back to her cause she's so great. God, I love her so much. Um, but she, I love she brought lady. up the issue mm-hmm. of particularity. So what you just said is so beautiful when we find that place where we can, we can find the commonality, right? Like, Hey, we all have this in common, but at the same time, each one of us brings something very unique to the table. We don't have to lose that in the name of some kind of unity. We can go, hey, these are the things we hold in common. And this is the beautiful ways in which we are diverse. Let's hold on to our particularity. And she tied it back to the Trinity and said, listen, this is our model. If you're a Trinitarian Christian, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all in one accord, all in unison, each each with their own particularities, though. So I don't know. I just it blew my mind. I'm still chewing on it. What, a month or two after we've talked to her, uh, she keeps coming up in conversations and. And you and you strike a similar chord. Um, so what we're looking for is, um, and maybe that's what this podcast does for us, is it allows us to, to sort of reach across the table um, to people who are very similar and yet have their own unique expressions and experiences that need to be celebrated, not just tolerated or, you know, allowed to exist. But, hey, what do you have to teach me? You know, I, I just I love it so much. Uh, we've we, talked to yes. so many great folks. Go ahead. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Cut well, you off. <laughs> I, I, be, I, I believe. No, no. I love it. I love it. Um, I believe that life is an ecology. Yeah. You know, we are an ecological system. And part of the, the groaning and travailing on the earth is because we're not in alignment. You know, everything is out of alignment because we're not in alignment right. as human mm. beings, as spiritual beings. Our ecological system is malfunctioning. Um, And when we start embracing one another and start seeing the beauty in each other and start tolerating the differences in each other instead of seeing them as separations, um, seeing them as efficient, effective, you know, parts of our tool, our tool chest. You know, we each have our own little tool chest and um, I can fix things that you can't. And even the divisions between male and female and the divisions that that we've created. But that's the world system. The world system is hierarchical. So you have the head guy or the head, you know, group of people. And then you have all the little peons underneath, you know, (laughs) that serve the greater good. Um, But that is uncomfortable to us because we're not made to function that way. Um, So every time somebody gets into church and goes, we should have probably worshipped just another just another 10 minutes, man. I just feel like just another 10 minutes. Why won't you let the worship go? Because you've got something different in you, honey. You've got right, something yeah. different in you that's singing a different song. 
Um, mm. And there are people out there that have been rejected by their families. Well, you're resonating something different just because you came into this world through that family unit doesn't mean that you resonate with them. So yeah. it's okay if you're a birch and they're an elm. It's okay. Find the birch <laughs> yeah. tribe, you know, connect with the birch tribe. And, and at some point, the birch leaves are going to come over and they're going to intertwine on the other side. You know, it, it, yeah. it happens because we yeah. are an ecological system. So hoorah for humanity, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it absolutely. Kind of, it, it, uh, it just, you know, kind of brings me back to some of the ideas in this deconstruction, right. With like, with, within the bib, the Bible itself. Right. So we, you know, we've been taught by different groups of people and different churches that the Bible is the word of God. Right. Um, and let's 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 play for a minute that that that's even possibly true, um, which um, it it's not. <laughs> okay, but, I was right. going to say it's not. <laughs> I'm trying to find a yeah. I was trying to find the best way of saying it. And I think the best way of just saying it's not nah. okay. So let's just get that out of the way. But let's for a moment let's just pretend that for some reason it is, and then we look at the story of Jesus. And the people that he gathered around him, right? Mm-hmm. They were different. They came from different places. They had different backgrounds. They were brought into a community so this community could thrive and could work together because they all brought, like you said, they brought their part of the toolbox, right? And they were, and so this community, and then, then we spend the next 2,000 years trying to say, no, that's not how this works. We all need to be the same. We all need to work together on the same exact path to get yes. to the same exact place. And so mm. that, you know, so what that Medes brings to- and Persians and all yeah, those yeah, other people. Yeah, right. Folded and, into that beautiful dough. And so it, it just brings in another level of that deconstruction, right? Which is this level of deconstruction about the Bible and its inerrancy. And, you know, is it true? Is it the word of God? Can it be the word of God? Um, and- I, I think you know, for me, and I, you know, you can tell me what you, your opinions on it is like, I, I, I could go as far as to say that parts of it are, are, are inspired, uh, that there's some inspiration there, but you know what, that word means something different to me now because I can be driving in my car and that song comes on the radio and it brings me to tears instantly. Right. How is that not also inspired? Mm. You know? Yes. Um, yes. or I'm a conversation with, with people like this and something comes up and it just pops up and you're like, wow, I've never thought about it that way. That's inspiration. That's inspired. Yes. But, um, how, was there a point where you, I'm, I'm kind of bringing it back to this whole idea of deconstruction and, and where your path was, but um, was there a point where you just had to get, let go of that too, and just say, okay, this, this, this book that has been handed to me is not the word of God in the way that you think it is. It's a bunch of, um, I'll let you say, I'll let you answer how you, um, <laughs> how it connected for you. Well, it is as much of the word of God as my journal is. Um, exactly. Where God speaks to me. Um, because when we say the word scripture, we're talking about spirit inspired word. We're talking about the breath of God, uh, something that someone has heard and uh, remarkably, we're all uh, filters for that. So um, when we see the truth in part, right, yeah. <laughs> we we um, we ingest that and then we regurgitate it to people and we put our spin or our filter on it. And so what hits us 
is that resonance frequency when there is truth um it resonates at a particular frequency and and it hits us and we go oh you know and yeah. i i love when uh when the bible talks about uh revelation with joy we receive it well it's because when you when you, when that hits you that resonance frequency that is source you go oh yeah you know i mean it just it changes you it connects with you it uh, you know it becomes one with you and that yeah. to me is the word of god is is uh and i've started using source because of the fact that religion has so damaged humanity that source is a much easier way to embrace everyone that is seeking yeah and uh let go of of the other stuff um but yeah i i that was quite a while ago when i i said wait a minute this became the word of god you know after jesus uh uh was on the scene and you know it it became that because the catholic church wanted to uh bring everything under this particular control um and they did a very good job of it you know mm -hmm. yeah uh, they re they regulated it they regulated it and became <laughs> yeah. mediators as it were so um but i still love the stories of like martin luther when he you know came in to uh one of the first villages that he was over and and a, a boy had committed suicide and they didn't want to bury him in the graveyard because none of the other souls would rest in the graveyard if this boy that, that had killed himself um, was buried there. And he took a shovel and he carried that boy to that graveyard and he dug a grave while all the villagers were watching him. And he said, God is mercy. God must be mercy. And he said, how is this boy to blame for the depression that overtook him any more than a traveler who is overtaken by a robber in the woods? Mm, wow. That's, that's beautiful. That was powerful and healing yeah. for a young man whose best friend had killed himself and he thought he was in hell. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, I mean, yeah. these, these, these are, are beautiful stories that to me is the word of God, because when you hear it, you go, that oh. is true. Yeah. yeah. You're right. There is a, there's a definitely a, a resonant frequency, isn't there? Um, and I can, I can point to the last, I guess three months we've been doing this, John, and there's always this moment with whatever guest that we're talking to where there is this, there's this aha resonant moment where you go, okay, yeah, we're on the same frequency here. Like I, I hadn't heard this before, but it just, it resonates as true. And I think we have truth detectors in us, don't you? Like I, yes. like I can tell when something is false and when something is true. I don't take the Bible for what it is. I love it. I use it. I, I honor it. I actually, you know, I, I think highly of it enough to not take it literally. Um, but I also feel like, like the Holy spirit living in me is my truth detector. And I get to go now that resonates. Okay. Now that, and then on a, on a, on a almost molecular level, I can go, yeah, or no, that's horseshit. Like, I don't believe any of that stuff that that person just said, that's just not true. Um, and, Absolutely. and I think people as they're taught to embrace that, and I think people, as they're taught to value that, they become so savvy about the stuff that they'll consume or won't consume. Haven't you noticed that? And, and I know that my mm -hmm. churchgoers, um, they might not be the most theologically astute people that tell you that themselves, but man, they can see through bullshit so fast. And they would much rather sit with somebody who's authentic. <laughs> yeah, they're and they're on point. You know what I'm saying? They have called me on mine enough that they're usually right <laughs> that I can go. Yeah. Okay. Your bullshit detector was on today. Um, w which has led me to a place where I just won't do it anymore. Well, 
You know what I mean? I won't, I won't bullshit them. That's beautiful. Well, from a psychological sp- uh, standpoint, now I'm going to uh, flip the therapist switch on you. All right. Um, <laughs> um, what happens with children is uh, children go to their parents. Let's say you got a young kid that's in school and they're an adolescent and they go to their parents and they say, I'm sick. <laughs> I can't go to school today. Right. And the parent comes up and fills their forehead and says, there's nothing wrong with you. Go to school. And the kid says, but I'm sick. I don't feel good. I threw up earlier. And mom says, shut up. You're not sick. Go to school. And so that child ends up going to school. But what happens is, is now the adult that they have trusted has alienated their, their personal voice from themselves because mm. they're sitting there saying, well, I'm not sick, but I feel sick. Right. But mom says, I'm not sick. So suddenly their individual validation of that, that voice within themselves goes external. And now they have to be externally validated by people. And these people are prime targets for religion because they are looking for outward validation instead of learning to trust that inner voice again or going through a healing process so that they can trust that inner voice again. And some do. Some find that through religion and faith. You know, that's the, you know, no problem there. If you you find your way, whatever your path is, great. Um, But there are other people that they stay in that position of, of needing that external validation and so they are always following someone else instead of following their own inner voice. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> when my when my daughter was was very sick, some people have heard her story a little bit. Um, but my daughter uh, in 2015, she contracted some mystery illness, and she ended up in the hospital for several months in a coma. And wow, and didn't you know? Did anyway? Long, long story, long ordeal that she's still dealing with in 2021. She still has lung issues and some other things that go on. But one of the, I bring that up because what you said about learning to trust your own inner voice was the same thing that her doctor told her physically was like, okay, these machines are fine. They will tell you that your heart rate is this and that your pulse is this and that your O2 saturation is this, but you have got to learn to trust how you feel. Because I don't care if the machines say you're fine, but you feel off, then you get to the doctor and you see somebody. And so she's gotten to a place in her life where she knows to trust her own feelings in this. Like, listen, you go to the doctor and he tells you that you're fine. You can tell him he's full of crap. No, actually, I'm not fine. I know how I should feel. And this is actually how I do feel. So let's find out what the problem is. And and one of the things that was interesting was when she was in the hospital, um, so many of the statistics, you know, the, the, the data she would get on her monitor... It never accounted for one thing, which was um, the accumulation of carbon dioxide. So it would tell her that her mm. blood oxygen level was high, but it never would tell her that her her body was doing a bad job of getting rid of carbon dioxide. And so she would wow. actually be literally suffocating while all of the all of the data says she's fine. And that was one of those kicking off points. But I, I, I like that analogy, though. I like that comparison to how we feel emotionally as well. And learning to trust how we feel, you know, even though someone's telling you, oh, you're fine, you're okay. I had a conversation this morning with someone who's deals with anxiety and depression and their parents go to advice them was, we'll get over it. <laughs> it's like, well, that's not particularly helpful. Thank you very much. Um, I don't, I have this issue. I need to go talk to somebody and they were never encouraged to go see, to seek any kind of help or maybe have some counseling or whatever. Um, and religion just to bring it all back full circle, 
I think traffics in that kind of solution, which is a non-solution. Just pray more, have more faith, um, or or go into full-on denial about how you feel, right? Like just tell the world you're right. happy even when you're not. Right. So um, as, a, as a mental health professional, Absolutely. Absolutely. How, do you, how do you sort of move people beyond, you know, needing that external validation and learning to trust their own in, inner voice? Well, I mean, there's a process that you have to go through in therapy with people. Um, and the, the initial stages is all about therapeutic rapport, because if that individual learns to, you know, have that trust building relationship with you, then they're going to listen to more of what you have to say. Sure. Um, and that's very important initially. But then you look at um, what is their language? How do they speak? Because many people that do not trust their inner voice are pass- passive communicators. Mm. And you have passive, you have passive aggressive, you have um, assertive, which is your, your positive way of communicating. So if someone is passive in their communication skills and they don't have a voice, then frequently they swallow what somebody is saying and they don't communicate how they feel when they feel it. Hmm. So my, th- my three-pronged approach for that is to learn to say, when this happens, I feel, not you make me feel, not, um, right. you know, uh, I feel crappy because of you, but I feel <laughs> hurt. Yeah. Right. I, I feel uh, sad. I feel left out. And in the future, this is what I'd like you to do. So, you know, I mean, that's that's a very big thing as far as like just assertiveness, because a lot of people do not say how they feel when they feel yeah. it, which is very, very important. Yeah, no, it is. And it's not something that, you know, we were we were told that we couldn't trust our hearts. Remember that? I mean, if you grew yeah, up in religious circles and deceitful above all that. things, right? How they, you can't they forgot about they forgot about the Ezekiel part that said, I'll give you a new heart. Yeah. Well, yeah. now you're just splitting hairs. <laughs> now you're just getting weird. I mean how <laughs> dare you tell people they can trust their own hearts that God's given them a new one. Um, yeah, craziness, right? Um right. but such a but such an important step to to any kind of, you know, emotional health, right? Is learning to trust yes. your own sense of of, of self worth and go ahead. You got a pen in your hand. You're going to show me something. I can tell. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> I love let it. Me, let me show you this. And if we go over a little bit, you can just cut it in half and use it for two shows or something. We you, would. Oh, okay. okay use it for two shows. Yes. Cut it out. Never. No. Whatever you got, we want to hear. It. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's go to let's go to Genesis chapter two verse eight. Okay. I want to show you something because we're talking uh, we're talking along these lines and I think it's important. Okay, it says God planted a garden eastward in Eden, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm going to do just a little diagram real quick. Wait, I need to move that over just a little bit so I can get everything else in here. Uh, There we go. So God planted a garden eastward, eastward in Eden. So I'm going to kind of color color in red where the garden is because we're gonna we're gonna do a little map and we're gonna do north south east west right we're gonna drop a garden in there okay all right so um it says out of the ground the lord god uh he made every tree that's pleasant to the sight we know that part the tree of the knowledge of good and evil right i'm going to show you where that is Mm -hmm. today too okay (laughs) a a river yeah isn't this juicy it's just delicious um (laughs) A river went out of Eden to water the garden, and there it was parted and became into four heads. Now, this is where 
uh, people that are historians, archaeologists, they get messed right up because that does not happen in nature. It does not naturally occur that a river goes out of Eden and, and parts into four heads, right? So they've had hard time finding that particular thing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this river and I'm going to pull it into uh, four heads. And uh, I'm going to draw that diagram for you. Okay, so we're going to we're going to pull it into four heads. Okay. And here it says, um, the name of the first is Pison, that which compasses the whole land of Havilah, where there's gold. So this first river circles, right? And it comes back. So when it talks about encompassing, it circles. Are you with okay. me, gentlemen? Yep. Mm -hmm. All right. And then the name of the second river is, oh, wait, let me say this. Um, that compasses the whole land of Havilah where there's gold. And the gold of that land is good. Okay. So I'm going to just write gold right here. And then there's bedellium, which we have no idea what bedellium is. It's a type of stone, but we don't know um, for sure. And then we have the onyx. And I think I said that right, right? Onyx stone? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, that one is, I always botch that one. All right. So anyway, I've got the onyx stone here. And then it says the name of the second is Gihon. The same is that that compasses the whole land of Ethiopia. So we're gonna we're gonna backtrack here and we're gonna bring in the second river and it and it encompasses. So we're gonna just draw a secondary circle here for that second river. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm gonna put a two there. I'm gonna put a one over here. And then we've got the third river is Hydekel. That is it going, it goes toward the east of Assyria. So we know we've got an eastern river, which uh, is right here. And that also is going to be, um, let's see, it, it, it encompasses the whole land. So we've got another circular river, right? So I'm going to do what I did on the other side, and I'm going to put that in there, okay? And the fourth river is Euphrates. Now, Euphrates is a long river, right? We know that, okay? So now I want you to take a look at this and tell me if you notice anything about this mm. drawing. It looks, it looks a little like, bit like a person. Holy cow, right? It looks like how I draw people. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. My well, drawing are... is not... You're, not, you're... not so good, but I'm going to, I'm going to put him in there for you. And, uh, you know, I mean, this is what we've got for the garden of Eden guys. Wow. So the human anatomy matches the garden of Eden description perfectly. Wow. Perfectly. And, That's... uh, I mean, I studied that, that scripture, that, that part of the Bible over and over and over again. I was like, what, what do you want me to see? Why am I so stupid that I can't see this? Okay. So let's go, let's, let's move on it though. Look, think about the fact that that right hand was where the gold is. Mm -hmm, think yeah. about the, the gold on the right hand where his treasures are evermore. Um, think about the onyx stone up at the top. That was the exact location on the breastplate where the onyx stone was for the price. Wow. Same location. Wow. Um, now, when you think about the trees, right? I'm going to go to to my little model here, my handy dandy from China special uh, plastic model brain. Okay. Um, I want to show you, uh, this is the, the small brain. 
This is right. what we call the small brain and it governs perception, sense perception. So the senses. Okay. And this little guy, they, they call it the little brain because they say that it has functions that are almost apart from this. Okay. Mm. But if you dissect this and cut it, I want to show you gentlemen what it looks like. Oh, oh wow. wow. It's a leaf. It's a tree. Tiger. Or a leaf. That's a Look. tree. Yeah. yeah. That's a tree, man. I mean, now, now think about this. You had a tree in the garden and they had the ability to eat from that fruit. And when they did it, what does it say? The first thing that it says that happened to them, their eyes were open. Oh, right. Think about the fact that that's when the senses engaged yeah. for them mm. and it shifted everything because I believe that here, and this is another fascination, um, the right side of the heart is called the atrium. Mm. Guess what that means, gentlemen? Mm -hmm. It means garden. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, it, it means garden. So I believe that mankind was living out of this area, mm. not here, but yeah. here. Yeah. At one point in time. And when you do shamanic journeying, it tells you to go down under the earth. But really what you're doing is you're moving from this chakra down to here. Mm. When you wow. go underneath. Fascinating so from, stuff. So from There's head so to heart right? Yes. Yes. And when we live from here, that's when we cross through the veil of, of thinking with our rational mind to sensing spiritually right. what source is saying to us. Right. That's, oh, wow. So uh, about a year ago, maybe two, I think I put something on Facebook and I said that there were things my heart knows that my mind is still trying to figure out. And that's exactly what I feel like you just described. Like, like my heart, knows things to be true that I'm still trying to academically or whatever, try to figure out, but I doesn't make them any less true. I just, I just haven't quite found a way to articulate that truth yet, but I still know it, you know, on, on that, on that really deep level that, that it's true. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, even the, even the act of worship is so similar to mm -hmm. all of these other religious experiences like monks humming and things. You get to this point of resonance where all of your chakras are aligned and that's when you shift. And when you shift there, that's when it, it feels like there's just a dump of all of that intellectual garbage that you have in there. And that's why cultivating um, a lifestyle of communing and meditating, you know, with source is so important, especially after deconstruction, you have to find a new way you know, right. it's not the old way. It's a new way. And, yeah, and yeah. when you hit that zone, whether it's in a drum circle or whether it's, uh, you know, uh, just humming or spending quiet time, however you access, this is what you're accessing is that yeah. you're going into your garden. And I believe that that is where we can commune with uh, creation, all yeah. of creation. But I don't, no. you know, I want to stop there because I think that's that's a, a, a good little revelatory moment for. No, I agree. And it, I, I want to come back to something you said earlier then, because this all then for me ties back to this concept of resonant frequencies. Um, and it, I just love it so much. I remember I took a physics class in, in college once. And being the non-math guy, I had to have a physical science. And I, they, they hoodwinked me, these guys, by calling it the physics of music. <laughs> And I went, ooh, music. I like music. And so 
what a pile of shit. That was a physics class that was sometimes brought in anyway. It was still a great, but it was it was so good that thirty years later now, or twenty years later, however long it's been since I was in college, um, something that professor taught me about resonant frequencies has found its way into so much of what I do and what I think. Because when you have a sound wave that goes like this, right, and it's joined by another sound wave that matches it in amplitude, what happens or matches it in frequency is the amplitude goes up, right. And the more voices and the more sounds that you that you that you that you add to that at the same frequency, the amplitude just grows and increases and it becomes this. It's so it can be very destructive. Um, they had a he told us a story and you can find this online somewhere. There's a bridge, I think, in Washington um, that because of the way they built this bridge, the 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 sound waves created by the wind blowing through the canyon resonated with the frequencies of the bridge. And added to it and added yeah. to it and added to it until it wobbled so much that it collapsed in on itself and broke. But that's the power of amplitude. That's the power Perfect. of resonant frequencies where we get together with each other and we find those places where we resonate with one another and actually our volume increases. Sometimes exponentially Beautiful. to the point we can topple some things down, right? Uh, just, man, everything you're yeah. saying just comes back onto that. And I just, uh, there's, there's something to explore there, I think. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, like, like we were, I, I don't remember if we said this while we were recording or not, but right. There's that moment and it seems like many of these podcasts where I get this, like this dumbfounded Duh. look on my face because I'm like, <laughs> I was like, I, I need to think about this for a while. Um, I've never heard anything like this. Um, but then again, like we were saying it's so, but it resonates, right? You're like, yeah, yeah. That resonates with me in a way that I, I didn't expect it to. So this idea of we are the garden of Eden, mm, that our heart is the, is the garden, right? That our brain is the, 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 the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or is that right? Did I say that one, right? The, the cerebellum. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is it speaks truth, even though I've never heard it that way before. Right. It resonates truth and it's and it's coming from a woman how cool is that? <laughs> that that just means we have to get some other dudes to verify what you've said don't worry we'll we'll get oh, them off absolutely. Oh, wow. oh, call the wow. council call the yeah. council of elders I, yeah. i'm ready i'm ready for the fire we got a so, we team assembled so. yeah yeah well here's the here's the cool thing i mean i started uh looking into crystals and um you know the the fact that you know what this is doing for me where I'm at right now is redeeming Jesus. And I wanted to write a book called redeeming Jesus because this was so potent to me. I saw, I saw Jesus doing things that looked much more like modern day shamanism than it did religion. Yeah. Yeah. I saw him disappear from a crowd when they couldn't grab a hold of him. And before I went, God just poofed him out of there. That was so cool. You know, but now I'm going, wait a minute shamans talk about shape shifting and what they do is it's not like we see in the movies where you turn into a wolf and we eat everybody it's it's you know being one with creation to the point where we merge with the spiritual energy of that entity and there are millions and millions of people in your corner that are spiritual beings you know your spirit allies 
we merge with them. What if Jesus just did that? What if he was functioning on that level when he walked on the water? What if that was all him being in concert with creation, which is what we are destined to be, is that fullness of us functioning fully with, with creation. Like I, th I thought about it and I, I felt like a kid in a candy store. I was like, would you use, was it like a hummingbird Jesus? So you could just hover <laughs> over the water, you know? I mean, how did you do that? Like, how did you disappear? Like octopus, uh, octopi, they can like, <laughs> they can change their colors. Did you do that? Right. I mean, um, was it, what was it? You know, how did, how did you work in concert with creation? Jesus needs a fish. I heard a preacher say one time. So all they, they all jumped in the boat. Um, but what if it was more than that? What if what if the reason why he was praying away from his disciples is they couldn't bear to hear him pray the way he was praying? Mm. Because when he prayed with them, he said, I'm praying this way for your benefit. So he was praying the way they prayed in front of them. Maybe he was withdrawing because he was he was over there doing some weird stuff and, and they would not have been able to tolerate it in their religious mindset, you know? What if he was so connected with source, he was walking around and, you know, flying like an eagle or dancing like like an American Indian, you know? I mean, we don't know because we don't no. have that part of the story. But for me, it redeemed parts of my faith that I thought were cool because I think Jesus was a badass dude, you yeah. know? And and so um, it's just a, it's, it's just opened up such a new life for me and expectancy of of co-creation you know like just just being together with creation and functioning that way yeah is, and, is it's exciting and then it just brings to mind to me that as jesus is leaving us right and going to wherever jesus goes he says that i have to leave so you can do bigger and better things with the spirit and uh i've heard this said this, this isn't mine i've heard other people say this um that what they have taken from that is it's not that we are um, Jesus was one man in a very small part of this, on this planet doing his work. We are now millions following the path of this one person. And we are millions of people. And if we resonate together and work together, what the hell could we do? We could do anything. We could, yes. we could be nothing. Nothing we would could, be withheld. Right. And I think I, I really believe that's what he was saying is like, I have to step away so you can enter into the being that you are supposed to, that you were always supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And then, but then we get, we get all wigged out about the mystical side, the woo woo side of it. And even though if, as we look at the story of Jesus, almost every single thing about him was mystical and woo woo. It wasn't totally a woo woo guy. Yes. Right. But, but we somehow yes. just completely divorced ourselves of all of that. Spit in the dirt and put it in somebody's eyeballs today yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. And, and, and watch everybody run, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, he was the, the quintessential, uh, quint, how do you say that? Quintessential woo-woo guy, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, but eat, to, my, but eat to, my flesh and drink my blood. It, it doesn't get much more there, metaphysical than that. There you <laughs> right. go. I mean, that's creepy, so. man. I'm not a cannibal. What are you talking yeah, about, you like, weirdo? Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, think about that in today's context. We'd be like, fuck off. Get this fucker out of here. He's had some yeah. heroin or something. I yeah, mean, you just... know, <laughs> exactly. So he, I mean, he had to, he had to dumb it down for them. 
I am absolutely convinced of that. He had to dumb it down for them because if he didn't, they would not have received him, accepted him, walked with him and learned from him, you know? And when they got really out of sorts, he would do something amazing like the transfiguration to help them to see uh, larger, you know? And even coming back after the crucifixion to see a larger picture and to, you know, step into it. But I'm convinced that there's a lot of the text that we have never read. which helps to redeem Jesus for me. But what I'm going to say here, and it may be hard for some people to hear, is that we have to let go of our religious inclinations. You know, we we build those constructs and say, Holy Spirit, we say these things, but we have to let go and be able to to build a new concept, a, a new context where we can all communicate with each other. And it's not triggering language. Yeah. Amen. I, we have to. We have yeah. to. I agree. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I have, I have well, no, I have, I have no more to add. <laughs> <laughs> well, you. I mean, that's 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 the truth, man. I mean, yeah. we've got to yeah. be able to let go to build a new yeah. paradigm so that we can yeah. walk together in harmony. Yeah. yeah. There's a there's an old story that preachers tell, and it it's a. Um, good place to close as you say to let go but there's this i'm not even sure it's a story but uh apparently researchers had had um had done some experimentation they so they they had a uh, chimpanzee put his hand into a tree have you heard this story before and they put something into his hand and as his hand is closed around the around the stuff he can't get his hand out they're trying to get him something else but he won't let go of what he has to get something else so he Anyway, that that reminds me of the human brain, right? Listen, I have, I know I need a new paradigm. I know that I do, but I just can't <laughs> let go of this one, even though what I'm holding in my hand is a pile of shit and whatever there is gold. But I'm too afraid to let this go and go reaching for something that that may or may not be better. Um, but man, the old paradigm has to go. You're 100 percent right about that. And sometimes that means we got to let some things Love. go. Yeah. Love right. is the new paradigm, right? Love, love has a way. Love, love, love yeah. has a way of convincing us to let go of the peanut in the tree. Yeah, you know, you know the better, you know the story better than I do. It was a peanut, wasn't it? I, I yeah. do. <laughs> it, I, it was a nut of some kind. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, there is such the universe has such a, a, an, an amicable way of dealing with us where we are. Yeah, and yeah. helping us to to let go of where we were. And you can't ascend that ladder unless you let go of the rungs beneath you. You can't yeah. uh, you can't move forward. And so what I have come to to follow as your closing um, <laughs> in, in, in my in my faith is that faith is about listening and it's a conversation yeah. that never ends. And so if we listen and agree to let go of what needs to let go, um, then it's that voice that we follow, not the structure that we've created in our brain that makes us feel safe. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. That Uh, is a perfect way to, uh, to close this out, man. I could talk to you for another hour, PK. I know John feels the same way. Um, which just means what we've said before, which is we'll have to have you back because, uh, there yeah. are there are things yet unexplored. Um, I just I, I appreciate you so much. I know I'll, I'll let John do the official closeout, but I just want to say thank you. Um, I enjoyed thank you. Yeah. every single bit of that. It was really really good. I appreciate you. 
Thank yeah, you. I, I appreciate just being asked to come here and, and sup with you. Wonderful. Absolutely. Family. This is bit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, thank you really. Thank you very, very much for uh, being willing to join this couple of guys who decided to start a podcast and had no idea what the hell they were doing. And, uh, uh, we keep saying this too, and I know people are going to get tired of hearing it, but people have been just so gracious in saying yes. Um, yeah, that for sure. Nat, Nat and I have been just absolutely blown away at the uh, willingness of people to come on and talk to us. Um, and one of the things that we, you know, as we do this is, is just we're, we need to maintain authenticity. We need to maintain the ability to listen and, yeah. uh, and not, and, and not close our minds off to these other, you know, these, these ideas that other people have, because it, it's just so beautiful. And yep. uh, so, yes, thank you. Thank you very much for being willing to come on. Uh, we will, we will connect uh, everybody with you through the show notes. I think everyone should just check out everything you're doing. Uh, you're doing some great stuff. Um, and so we will add that to our show notes. And uh, again, just thank you very much for you know, coming on and talking yeah. with us. Very cool. And we thank both you. love you very much. Thank, Thank you. you. Much love, gentlemen. Thank you for listening to This Is Not Church. Be sure to rate and review the podcast on your platform of choice. If you would like to partner with us, visit patreon.com slash thisisnotchurch, where you will receive exclusive content such as early access to episodes, videos of upcoming episodes, and live Q&A sessions. Be sure to check out our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter and Instagram. All the links are in the show notes. We'll be back soon with another episode.